people this week already asked me that I would give you a brief update on our vacation time. And um, the reason I'm doing that is because it's hard to get to know each one of you personally. And one of the things that we um, do is when we talk to one another about things like, what do we do on vacation? You get to know them a, a little bit. And so um, we went away for two weeks. It was very restful and um, edifying. Usually when we go away on vacation, um, I have a reading plan. I, I, I go because I, I've got some time and I... And I try to decide on a, on a reading plan that isn't because I got to, because I got to preach. I, I don't primarily go away to, to study for that purpose, but to grow in Christ-likeness. And so um, I chose the book of Isaiah, that I was going to saturate myself with that book for two weeks um, from a Bible study standpoint, and then I, I chose um, uh, you know another book that I would read, and I read... Um, Seasons of Sorrow by Tim Chalice. And um, I, I intended to do what I'm going to do, and I'm going to keep doing it because I don't like to make emotional decisions. But this book was so good, it almost made me want to do a whole series again on response to crisis's suffering loss because we're always in, in the midst of that. But this book is just amazing. And... Um, Part of what I would do, I was, I was so um, blessed by this book that there would be times that I would just stop when I would be reading it. Everybody else would be sort of doing their own thing. And I'd say, whoever it was, I can remember one time specifically saying to you, Sherry, listen to this. And I think maybe Amber was there. And then I just, you know, I, I read a chapter or I read a portion of a chapter. And it's just so um, amazing, so helpful. So I would say, number one, if you've experienced great loss, this book would be a great encouragement. Secondly, if you would like to know how to handle great loss when it happens to you, this book would be instructive. Thirdly, if you'd like to be better equipped to know what somebody that's going through a, a great loss is dealing with so that you could, you could um, be a better blessing to them, uh, this book would do all three. And you can see it's a pretty small book, but it's power-packed. It's great. We'll probably do a series on that sometime next year. But anyhow, so that's, that's uh, what I did at the beach. We also, we didn't do just that. We ate a lot of food. We saw breathtaking sunsets and uh, walks on the beach and the boardwalk. Just a lot of time looking at God's uh, creation and being blessed with it. A lot of family time. This goes all the back, way back to when my grandchildren were very little. We would go to the beach, and we would try to find a decent church. Well, that's hard to do anymore, period. But we would try to find a decent church. And then, you know, if you've got small children, I don't care what church you go to. We weren't comfortable in handling, I should say, I guess Don and Sherry weren't comfortable, but we wouldn't have been as grandparents either, handing your children that are small over to, people for the children's ministry. You don't even know who those people are, let alone what they're going to teach. So we would keep the kids with us. And um, it was just a little crazy. And so after about one or two years of that in this annual um, thing that we do, we decided we wouldn't do that anymore. Hey, I'm a pastor. Here's me. Why don't we do Beach Church? And so we started doing Beach Church. 
And in the beginning, when the kids were little, we would actually make programs, bulletins. I would make bulletins. I would bring bulletins. And every single child and every single person that was going had a specific responsibility. Of course, I retained the, the preaching um, point. But we had music. We took offerings, which we, of course, collected. And I took the money for myself uh, to offset the price of the vacation. I'm only kidding we sang music. We had special music. We did crafts, and we did Sunday school. We did the whole thing, and it was just wonderful. And um, that has been so instilled in my grandkids. Now they're all grown up. They're all adults. And when we go to the beach, they literally are disappointed if we at least one Sunday don't do um, beach church. And so it was them driving me. Um, because it'd be easier for me if we could just do live stream. We didn't used to have live stream, but we have that blessing now. And so one of the two Sundays, we did Beach Church, the Labor Day weekend when the whole family was there. And we gather around on Sunday morning, and, and we do church, similar to what I described. We had a, we had a sweet and a, and, a, and, a, and a blessed time. And so that was also part of, of what we do as a family. We uh, barbecue, and um, we eat out. And we go see the lighthouse at Corolla. Um, we uh, walk the boardwalk and duck. Um, I like vacation because if I want to take a nap in the morning, I can take a nap in the morning. And if I want to take another one in the afternoon, nobody's keeping track. I can take a nap in the afternoon. Um, for all you youngins, that sounds boring. But for me, that's like, that is vacation. Um, drank lots of coffee. And um, we are famous for, we, we throw out our, our diets. I mean, you could tell we're all health nuts, uh, especially me, the leader of the pack. But we throw that all out the window, and um, our freezer is 90% full of ice cream. And we pull that out every week. I think we have some pictures, years, uh, years of Amber holding them. And when she, when she holds them like this, they, they come to her head. That's how many things of ice cream that we have so you can... And you've got to have a little bit of each kind each night. And so um, I, that's what I do on vacation. And uh, you asked, and so I let you know. Um, I hope you have a plan that's uh, in some way, shape, or form fashioned um, that takes you to rest, mental rest, spiritual rest, but also um, edification for the, for the glory of Christ. Well, you have your handout. Look at your handout. You can see that the topic that we're going to look at is what I'm going to title God's Ideal in Communication. Um, this isn't the first time I've, I've covered this. Uh, I covered it thoroughly with this class back in 2017, I believe it was, 2012. That's probably the fourth time I've taught it. I, I add different stuff every year. I'll add stuff um, this year. But we cannot not communicate. And we communicate primarily with words, um, secondarily um, with writing. But there are so many other ways we communicate. And God has an ideal that he lays out in his word over and over again um, how his people should communicate. We're to be a peculiar people, the Bible says. We're, we're, we're a people that are set apart for his glory. And so 
it's all part of how we should communicate, but we would all have to admit we easily fall short. And so we're going to look at that, maybe push the reset button, maybe learn a few new things, and, and help ask God to help grow us in that area. You see at the top of the page, do you have a handout? Does anybody need one? I'm sorry. Happy to bring you one. Um, okay, I guess, I guess everybody's got a handout. Um, maybe an anchor text is uh, Proverbs 18.21. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I took a modern paraphrase that I thought was uh, helpful, and it sort of slaps you in the face maybe a little bit harder. Words kill, words give life, they're either poison or fruit, you choose. I don't know, when you think about words that way, um, maybe sometimes, but not all the time. Most of us can remember times when somebody has spoken a word to us, and it was years ago. And, and, and those words to this day, if we have a reflection of there, bring great joy, or else they bring great sorrow. Um, because of something that was, uh, was spoken to us. Um, I think if I gave you a few minutes to think about it, and I don't know right now that it would be edifying, but we could we could think back and we could come up when somebody um, said something that wasn't helpful. Maybe they weren't even trying to be mean. I don't know if you ever read um, Karen Carpenter's story. Do you familiar with Rich and Karen Carpenter? Any of you go back that far? You know, we're, we're responsible for our actions regardless of what anybody says to us. You know, we don't, we don't get a pass because somebody spoke evil to us or spoke down. Um, I don't even know that she was a believer. But um, in reading a portion of her uh, life story, she, you know, she took her own life eventually after being famous and all the money and a great singer. And you know what it was attributed to? Now, please be clear. God's word's totally sufficient. I'm not into psychology, okay? So I'm, but I'm trying to make a connection here of an illustration. Somebody, when they were first starting to sing, Richard and Karen Carpenter, somebody said to her in the media that she was Richard's chubby sister. And that haunted her the rest of her life. She just couldn't get over it. And she went through eating, quote-unquote, disorders. No, she acted sinfully because she didn't have anybody to help her biblically. But the fact of the matter is, those, those words, in, in, in effect, Satan used them ultimately to kill. Um, and they have that power. And yet, I, I can think of of other situations where... Words have brought life. We will look at that as we go through and share our testimonies one with another. But if you're here in Christ, it's because words, the gospel word, brought you to life, right? It brought you to life. Um, and so what a sweet thing that is. Look, if you would, at Romans chapter 10. I know you're very familiar with these passages, but just as we... Use this to get started. In Romans 10, is talking about the word of faith, meaning the gospel. This isn't any idea that the 
word of faith people, quote unquote, have twisted that we can speak a word and, and we have power in ourselves, God-like power. No, we don't. And that's not what this chapter is saying at all. But um, it does talk about the power and the need for our words, for gospel words. If you look at verse 8, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with a heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with a mouth confession is made, resulting in salvation. You see, and we'll amplify this as we go along, what comes out of here is what's in here. What comes out of here is what's in here. So when you're converted, when you're truly born again from above, you start to speak, you confess with your mouth, and you keep confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. You are a changed person. You're regenerated. You're gone from death to life. Words, the gospel word brought you life. How I thank God, and I'm sure you do, for those that were faithful to bring me the gospel word. And so that would certainly be an example. Look what it says here in verse 14. It reminds us, how then will they call on him who have not believed? Verse 15, how beautiful are the feet of those bringing good news of good things. Now there's a sense here that it's a preacher, a missionary, evangelist, but it's applicable for all of us. How wonderful it is when we give somebody the good news, the gospel news, that brings life, because death and life are in the power of the tongue. The Spirit of God takes the Word of God and can bring life in a person's life who is dead. That's amazing that God has entrusted that to us. God could have entrusted it to the rocks or the trees, but he, he gave it to us. We want to be good stewards of it. And so you look at verse 17. That's where I was headed. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. It's when we read the word, we're sanctified. It's when we speak the word, others are, are built up. And so we see the word of life. And then they're the words of death. Sadly, as sinful beings, we are sometimes guilty of using words as weapons, aren't we? We've all been guilty of it, if we're honest. We... Uh, the, the word we speak is to put somebody in their place. The word to speak is because we're angry, we're hurt, we're bitter. The, the word we speak is because we're jealous, we're envious. Uh, we, we say those things. We're frustrated. And, and we speak things that are unbecoming a believer. We've all heard the little children's rhyme, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will... Never hurt me. Don't you know that's a lie right from the pit of hell? Words matter, folks. They, they matter a great deal. Do you like to laugh? It's a heavy, it's a heavy world. Life's hard. I like to laugh. And so um, I got a silly humor. Um, Claude and I enjoy humor together. We were up here 
um, today, if there had been a microphone on us, I think we probably both would have embarrassed. We probably wouldn't have had the conversation in front of all of you, and now poor Claude's going to get dragged into this because it's going to be in front of all of you. No, I, I don't believe anybody here, with the possible exception of Mary, or maybe Judy, could have even guessed what we were talking about. We were talking about Captain Kangaroo. <laughs> and we were talking about Grandfather Clock and Bunny Rabbit. And... Um, because we both enjoy those things. You know, sometimes life is so heavy, you, you, it's not a matter of escaping reality. It's, it's just being able to laugh a little bit. And so um, we'll send each other cartoons. Um, I do the same thing with my family. Every once in a while, I'll send them a, a, a cartoon blast. It's not the only thing I do. I, I like to keep them on the hook. So I send them a bunch of cartoons, and then boom, I hit them with a truth from Scripture. Um, there's intent in that. Well, I, I got two that I've got to share with you because I've shared these so many times that they're actually getting old. You can see them. But I just, they never grow old to me, and they, they always make me smile. I'm going to make you smile today. The first is a Dennis the Menace. Now, that is a great cartoon. Um, are you familiar with Dennis the Menace? Everybody here familiar with Dennis the Menace? When you go out of here today and you talk to others, would you please tell them that I um, read on my vacation the... Seasons of Sorrow by Tim Chalice and the Book of Isaiah, and don't go tell them that I spent my whole vacation reading Dennis the Menace cartoons. I'd appreciate that. Help me out a little bit there. But, but I do um, read a lot of these things. And Dennis is sitting in this cartoon under a tree with his hands back like this, and he's talking to his little friend Joey. And here's what he says. I like talking to myself, Joey. Because I always get the answer I want. That's the problem with communication, isn't it? So many times we don't get the answer that we want. And so we can just withdraw and isolate if we're not careful rather than communicating. Then there's the other extreme. You like Blondie? You probably don't. Most of you don't even know what I'm talking about, I'm sure. I'm sorry. So here's Blondie and... Mr. Druthers, he is the uh, angry boss. He's got um, everybody gathered together around the conference table. And he says, our greatest problem here is a failure to communicate. And he says, so in the new year, we need to open discussion and a free flow of ideas. And so then Blondie says, a boss? Raising his hand. And his boss says, shut up while I'm talking. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes communication is seen as I talk and you listen, and 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 I talk and you listen, because I got an I problem. I, 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 I. I, 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 I think I've shown you before a, a, a fabulous YouTube on um, the I problem. Maybe I'll bring that back before the uh, end of this series. But um, if we're not um, careful, we don't communicate um, properly, and we can look at those things and we can think that they're funny, but ultimately um, they're not funny at all. They're, they're very, very serious you see, we get to choose the words that we'll speak because um, 
our talk lives in the everyday ordinary. I put that um, there. That's out of a book, a Paul Tripp book. I hesitate a little bit just to throw the name Paul Tripp out there. He's written some amazing stuff. Um, and so I'm very grateful for his ministry. Um, I can't put a stamp of approval on everything, um, especially since COVID and some of the directions he, he took um, after that. So I'm just being candid. Will you trans transparent with you? Um, he wrote a book called uh, Words. Um, I forget what else is Words. Do you know what it is, Carol? Words matter. Words matter. It might be. But anyhow, he's, he's written some uh, tremendous things on this whole thing. And he, and he talks about how, we, how talk lives in the world of the ordinary. And because that's what we do all the time. We all have to talk. We can lose the fact that every single thing we're saying is significant. We sit and think, well, what's significant? Well, you know, Pastor Brody's teaching, that's significant. But when, when I say amen and you're dismissed and you start talking with each other, that's not significant. No, it is significant. And that's the problem. Because we live in the everyday, those little words we say to husbands and wives, to our children, uh, the way we talk, the way we communicate uh, with everyone is very significant. God is a verbal God. We are his people. And he's given us a way to talk and a way to communicate, and it's important we, we reconsider it. The Bible is full of illustrations about communications and the use of um, words, speech, um, the use of the tongue. And, and I want to just start, before we actually move into it, laying some basic foundational facts about communication. Look at the end of the handout, if, if you would, back of the second page, because we won't even get through this whole handout today, I don't think. But what are we going to do coming weeks? See at the very bottom? We're going to look at what well, I'm going to just use wise words from Proverbs. Proverbs is full. We're going to go back to Proverbs and look at the instruction that we get from Proverbs and then talk through how does this help us in, the, in communication. We're going to look at gracious and timely words from Ephesians chapter 4. Amazing um, text of scripture. Perhaps Ephesians 4.29 is one of the most powerful um, communication texts in all of scripture. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Let no corrupt or unwholesome communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is edifying at the right time so that the hearer will receive grace or will be built up by your words. Amazing text. We'll unpack that text and, and talk about how we do that. Gospel words, which we looked at a little bit here, for evangelism and discipleship. And I would like us, for those of you that are willing, we'll, we'll take some time here and um, share some of our testimonies. How do we come to faith in Christ? Uh, that, that's one way we can get to know each other, is to take three or four minutes, not the, not the long version, but the short version, how'd you come to Christ? And I realize some of you are not going to want to come like right up here and do it. Maybe some of you won't even want to sit in your seat to do it, but maybe you'd be willing to write it out and I could read it. But I think that would be um, a glorious blessing. Wouldn't you love to hear how your brothers and sisters came to Christ, how God used the word in their heart, and because he used the word, he used people. Wouldn't that be an encouragement to you? 
and so, so that's part of communication, and, and we'll look at opportunities to do that. We're going to look at communication principles for relationships because every relationship you have swirls around communication. It's health, it's vibrancy, it's, it's growth, it's failure, it's struggle, it's conflict. It, it, it deals with communication, and that communication comes out of the what? The heart. And so uh, we're, we're going to look at that in terms of marriage, parenting, correcting, connecting, conflict resolution. And so that's what I hope to look at during this time. And I didn't put it on there, but I thought about it this morning as I was praying and thinking about coming here. But we have a brand new thing that I hadn't thought about before that I think we need to discuss, even if it's just part of one class. And that is we do a lot of communicating, whether we recognize it or not, on social media, don't we? And that's another whole, that's another whole deal. Um, and so I think, um, as believers, we need to look at that with integrity. So how, how do we um, communicate on Instagram? How do we communicate on, on Facebook? How do we communicate on text? And what are, the, what are the downsides? What are the dangers? What are the things we need to, to, to think through? So all of that will be part of this whole series. And, and you can see that it's going to be extended. It's going to take a while. Um, but that's, that's where we're going. And if you have other ideas, you've got plenty of time to shoot them to me. So let's go back and let's look at some of these basics. Number one, word problems are really heart problems. I say hurtful things, selfish things, and vain things, maybe even evil things, because the words that come out of my mouth flow from my heart. Secondly, I am my greatest communication problem. You might be thinking it's the person next to you or your coworker or your boss or whatever, but if you learn God's principles in communication are empowered by the Spirit, we're going to see that from the Word, it's amazing how you can take and turn really angry and ugly situations by the power of the gospel and by the power of being different um, than the world. So we're going to look at that. Look, if you would, in your Bible at Luke 6. I want to make sure that there's no um, ambiguity about the fact that it's our hearts. Luke chapter 6, um, trying to just lay some of the context quickly. Jesus is choosing his disciples um, after a night of prayer. Prayer is communication, isn't it? It's communicating with God. Jesus, who is God, the Son, the second person of the Trinity, was communicating with the Heavenly Father and the power of the Spirit all night to choose the Twelve who um, would be his apostles, his sent ones comes down off the mountain. Crowds of people gathering around, not because they're all disciples, but they've already heard that he heals and you know he makes food happens, and, and so they're, they're looking at what they can get. And we see here in Luke, the way Luke is laid out, the beginning of the Beatitudes in, in verse 20, and it says, And turning his gaze towards his disciples, he began to say, so there's a crowd, that's what I want you to know. There's a whole crowd of people, and some of that crowd are his disciples. Some of that crowd 
are his apostles that are, he's going to train over the next three years and send out. And he says a lot of things that deal with communication here that I want you to see. Look at verse 31. Treat others the same way you would want them to treat you. Okay, let's just stick the word talk, tongue, communication. Speak to others the way you would want them to speak to you, as, a, as an example. And he says in verse 32, If you love those who love you, what credit is it to you? Even sinners love those who love them. It's an application. It's not the meaning of the text. I want to be clear about that. But let me just say, you've had a bad moment when you sinfully or ugly talk to somebody else, how would you like that person to have responded to you? Slapped you in the face? Told you to shut up, turn around and walked away? Or would you want them to love you despite you? Would you want them to be loving to you, gentle to you, despite you? How would you want them to respond to you? I mean, it's all building up here. Folks, it's, it, it's all here, and it, it really is about how we communicate. But how we communicate, even in situations when we're treated unjustly, is a matter of the heart. So we have to go there first. What he says in verse 35, But love your enemies, and do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. You'll be called sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, is forgiving you. That, that uh, boomerang in your ear as you're reading that, that verse. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. That's, that's the way we communicate. He's, he's building up. He's, he's, he's saying all that. And then he says in verse 39, and he spoke a parable to them. Now he's giving you a parable. It's a story. It's a story that's going to have a, a, a central truth. And so he gives this story, and this story is fabulous for counseling. It's fabulous for helping somebody. It's, it's fabulous for yourself. Pastor Mark has taught on this over and over again. Look at it in verse 41. Why do you look at this speck? that is in the eye of your brother, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye. Now, there's the, one of the key uh, components of good communication. When it's not going good, how come I always see the fault in the other, but I never stop and consider what is my problem in this? Remember, word problems are heart problems. It goes on to say, and how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye, out of your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to what the speck is in your brother's eye. So that's all leading up to what I want to read now, so that you have some context. And, and here's where it comes to. Out of the heart, we speak. And so... It's always a matter of heart. Look at verse 43. For there is no good tree which produces bad fruit, nor, on the other hand, a bad tree which produces good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. 
For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pluck grapes from briar bushes. The good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth what is good. And the evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth that which is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which has filled his heart. So we can see how important it is of what we fill our heart with. And what we, our heart, you can put the word mind, it's the, it's, the, it's the total being. And so that's what I mean when I'm saying here, I am my greatest um, communication problem. And um, that's why we do the various disciplines of grace, right? That's why we do Bible intake and we take in the word. That's why we meditate. That's why we memorize. And that's why we pray the word in and to our Lord, so that when we come out into the world, we'll be Christ-like in our speech, in our communication. And that's, that's what, we after, what we're after. So, if I think right, then I'll speak right. And we think right when we've renewed our minds, think on his word, and we're transformed rather than conformed to the world. And so, if something comes out of your mouth and you think, where that, where'd that come from? Why did I say that? You know, it's from your heart. You need to do a little heart examination. If somebody says something to you, I'm thinking particularly here in the context of the family, you know, be gracious and we'll talk about that because maybe you need to help that person see. Um, but you can't help that person see until first you examine your own eye, you examine your own life. And then as you've done that, then you're in a place where perhaps you can help that person see that something was coming out of their mouth because of what was in their heart. A great diagnostic question, if you've earned the right with that person, is just to say, what was going on in your heart when you said that to your son? What was going on in your heart when you said that to your wife or to your husband? Uh, and, and help a person to think about what was going on because out of the mouth comes the issues of the heart. So that gets us through um, basic number one and two. We'll pick up and finish up the rest of this sheet. I would suggest that as we go through this, you take and uh, save the handouts in an organized fashion. You'll get them on the Internet. You can put them in a, a folder, and then you can use this material to teach others. You can use this material to disciple others. You can use this material to teach your children or your grandchildren. And um, I, I trust it will be uh, a blessing to you. Father, how we want to be like Christ, even in our speech. Thank you for those that were faithful to share the gospel with us. Help us to be faithful to share the gospel with others. Lord, even as you have commanded us to exhort one another, may we do so with uh, grace this day uh, we ask it all in Jesus name Amen you're dismissed <laughs>